Hello and welcome back to Coast to Coast FC, the Canadian soccer podcast focused on all things CPL, Canadian Championship, and more. My name is Felipe Ojo. And I'm Mike Rice. And today we are going over some more breaking news from the league, going over some updates on the CSB Media Pro relationship that just broke. We're going to be reviewing some of the CONCACAF Champions Cup action from this past week and a few transfer tap-ins at the very end. But before we dive into it, as always, remember to follow us on all of our social medias at Coast to Coast FC and on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube so that you can see our visuals now that we're doing more visual media. I uh, love to do the little slideshows and be able to create memes at any opportunity any excuse to create some memes is is always a fun time for me so uh if you don't have spotify uh and you want to see them feel free to check us out on youtube uh but let's jump straight into the the biggest thing that's happened honestly aside from the CONCACAF champions cup that literally broke uh, today at the time of recording which is on friday february the 16th which was uh, the CSB Media Pro relationship might be rekindled. <laughs> uh, basically, the the way that we have been informed is by Martin Ross, who did an exclusive story stating, "quote that Media Pro uh, Media Pro's One Soccer is set to continue offering live coverage of the Canadian Premier League during the 2024 season after conciliatory, conciliatory talks with CSB." business sports business understands so it seems like there's there there's you know they had a little messy breakup we talked about last week that maybe they were having you know second guesses and stuff like that and now we're probably expecting this grandiose reunitement profession of love between the two sides maybe not but it is nice to see it is nice to see that you know all of this drama this you know, a lot, a lot of people were being a bit inflammatory on social media. It was hard for ourselves to not be sort of caught up in the emotion of everything because, mm-hmm. you know, of what it could mean for the league and for uh, our livelihoods here and that's coast to coast. <laughs> uh, but no, in the end, I mean, there's still a lot of questions. It's that still doesn't yeah. necessarily solve much. Um, but it does help a little bit in terms of understanding where we're going now because we're just under two months out from the beginning of the season and we had no idea what was going on it was about two weeks ago now that the news broke two three weeks ago and there was really no updates uh mm-hmm. so now to have something a little bit more concrete obviously still no official word from either party but uh, the fact that this you know exclusive story broke out does kind of give you a little bit of relief um, I also saw that Ben Steiner stated that, quote, there will be a little bit of change on how the business operates and where funding comes from, but not much will change for consumers, which for the people who are just watching the actual show uh, or the, the games or one soccer shows and stuff like that probably means you don't have to change too much. You don't have to expect much difference. Uh, but I am curious to see the whole business operation thing, because. One of the first few questions that came to mind for myself is, is this going to mean that there's a new deal? Is this going to mean that there's going to be uh, some changes to the way that the league sort of operates, maybe not in the 
necessarily short term, but in, in the long term, because they only said for the 2024 season, but you know, mm-hmm. the, the league can and hopefully will continue past the 2024 season. So are we going to get any details of this, of a potentially new deal? Because it seemed pretty, you know, certain that they shredded the last deal, at least on media pro side that they pulled out. Yeah. Does this mean that there's still a court battle going on? Is there, <laughs> did they settle it out of, out of courts there's it's a lot of you know it was a very messy breakup so you kind of can't just put a band-aid over and expect everyone to forget there's still gonna be a lot of questions there's still gonna be a lot of you know queries about what a what happened and b what's changed because Mm -hmm. you don't have a messy break a breakup like that uh without you know and then go back to normal uh there there's something you know has to give something has to change so it's going to very exciting time, but for you, Mike, looking at everything that we've just sort of learned uh, from today and this, in this article and a lot of the responses from people, how do you see now the, the league shaping up, especially, you know, with what the promise of broadcasting deals was and all of the drama that ensued uh, after the original news broke? Well, if we're going to squeeze any remnants left out of this uh, relationship metaphor that we were, we've been using every episode, is um, that it seems like these two have both uh, tried to go their separate ways. It's like a couple of them downloaded Tinder, gone out to the bars, and they've they've had no matches. No one's uh, no one's bit while they're out, um, and they've gone back, and they've probably had a little think about themselves and. Like a four-year-old me, it's a bit like, oh, actually, yeah, the beer belly's not great. So maybe we need to slim down. Maybe we need to get ourselves in shape before we go out again and start mm. looking to find new suitors. And I think that's what it's um, for both of these. Media Pro haven't got a great... They've got bumps, huge bumps in their reputation from what happened in France and what's happening here now. They need to try and, if it is just for this one year, they need to try and make sure that they're a product which can then go and get other work and other contracts in other areas around the world from what they do. And the Canadian Premier League and Canada Soccer, they need to they need to sort themselves out and make themselves a desirable product again, where they companies that are the broadcasters, the production companies, everything like that, they need to make themselves a product that they're going to want to work with. And it's not just what we see on the pitch. It's not just about uh, bums on seats in the stadiums. It's also about how they conduct their business. Um, and I think that's one thing they need to get right this year. They need to ensure that things are running smoothly. They need to ensure that no matter what is going on between them and Media Pro um, throughout the year, that it's running professionally and it's running smoothly. Um, it is is a lot to ask though i mean obviously there was the news the other last week of uh dino rossi quitting canada soccer's board of directors because like that and that's that's the problem i think that we've we've got is there's a real mix in what people want um who are trying to build the game um when it's mixed in with some people who here just want to be earning a bit of cash and like yeah, it's not that they're trying to make like Canadian soccer profitable they're 
are they just trying to make themselves richer? I, I don't know. I'm purely speculating. <laughs> like this is like this is just uh, yeah, pure speculation. But it's they need to make themselves more appealing to broadcasters, and they've really struggled domestically. I mean, you obviously you li you've lived in Canada and you you've experienced all these channels and um, broadcasters that just don't care um and you and one sock has been here and it's been fantastic for us like to get the chance to come to watch it but <laughs> there's got to be now it seems like we need to find something in the middle those domestic companies um bell and everything like that they're not they're not going to jump at it they're not, they're, they, they haven't they had the chance they didn't want it now csb needs to find someone that's a like and then another step so okay media pro we've done this it's not working like they're not happy neither of them are happy seem pretty clear they need to do something to get to the next step to try and build further and we just don't know what that is i mean like what is that <laughs> that's that's exactly the question where it's like okay if this is just a short-term sort of fix to sort of like how you said where it's like maybe it's not best for either of us to leave things like this so mm -hmm. late and, you know, with the season starting everything, we need to maybe rebuild a bit of reputation. Maybe we need to have more time to plan. So let's just do some uh, short-term fling and then <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, look for better opportunities elsewhere. Um, but it, yeah, that doesn't still sort of answer the question. It was like, okay, what's what is the next step? Even if it if it is media pro, it can't go back to necessarily how it was. Uh, so what are the changes to make it go to that next level where both parties are more satisfied, at least in the short term, potentially in the long term, mm. uh, to to make it a more desirable product? Because let's be honest, you know, one of the things we were saying before, why it made a little bit of sense for CSB to cut with Media Pro is that we didn't see on, on, on any major streamers or, or, or major channels uh, in, in Canada, the likes of Sportsnet yeah. and TSN and, and you know, for be, catching the interests of Rogers or Bell Media. They just had to stick to One Soccer and Fubo and I think Telus Optic had a cha uh, their channel as well. Uh, but it wasn't that much. No. And so they need to appeal to grander audiences. That hasn't changed throughout this entire debacle. It mm. hasn't at all. We still need yeah. to get uh, wider coverage. Um, you know, and the quality of the product that we get from One Soccer, you can say what you will about the personalities and stuff, but it was a, it was a good product that was dedicated yeah. to the game. It was highlighting, you know, players and stories and narratives throughout the league that make it more enticing. It just wasn't mm. reaching enough people and no. that's something that csb and media pro need to work on or at least sort of set building blocks so that maybe media pro can then leave and then feel like they have left a project that they can show on their resume and and mm. not have to paper over like what happened in france yeah. and csb can then have something that they can actually have a bit more planning with something a bit more concrete to maybe take that next step to maybe entice eyes from other uh you know of these uh broadcasting monopolies mm -hmm. that that exist in canada we don't know i mean for the best better of the of the league that's what i'm hoping yeah uh but it's still like i mean in the next few weeks it could be very telling because throughout this once we learned that one soccer had conquer cab one soccer continued 
a couple of wry jokes alluding to the situation, but yeah. they have just kind of gone and continued yeah. business as normal. And everyone's yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I sure. think that's, that's, that's the big thing that's stood out is that they just carried on business as normal. It's not like <laughs> so many people probably didn't notice like unless you're really following social media or you people like through word of mouth because they just carried on like nothing had happened we'll put this on and that's the one of the biggest issues they're just doing they're just carrying along and she, they're not growing like okay we'll put this on there you go and unless you know unless they've told you or like how how did you grow this and if that's how they're continuing to run run things throughout this year then it's not going to grow like i remember watching when um i forget what i forget if it was a national team game maybe it was on one soccer so they they put on a couple of games live on youtube and you've got the counter at the top saying number of people watching and i, I think it was a pacific game and there was about 400 was the highest point that i remember seeing and it's like well that's not that's not a huge amount. Like, like it's the, you know, people have, I know people who are tuning in. There was a big game, and that's why it was on YouTube. I understand that, but yeah, it's, it's it, they can't just carry on with business as normal. And that's the thing I'm finding the strangest that that's what they did with the Concacaf Champions League Cup game. Yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, I think for the the employees at One Soccer. I'm sure literally a few days before they thought they were out of the job. Mm. And then the, the probably the higher ups were like, Nope, you're still going. We got CONCACAF go back. Yeah. You don't really have time to, you know, switch things up and, and, and kind of try to evolve the product yeah. in such a short time frame. You kind of have to be like, well, let's just do what we have been doing. Yeah. Do you and think then... more? Like, I don't know what it was like. I don't know like what you guys had at home. But there wasn't really that much broadcasted over social media. They didn't pump out a load, any like reminders every so often of like, oh, this game's coming up. Like, oh, you can watch it on one soccer. That wasn't coming out. Like, like follow them on Twitter, follow them on their social media accounts. And it was quiet. Like, and that's the thing you'd think, yeah, let's get like, make sure people are coming back. We've got a game. Make sure they remember. But, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's I, I, again. It, I'm. It, it must have been very tough in the in mm. the time frame that they had sure. for the specific of the employees at One Soccer. But I mean, now with Concacaf going on, I mean, Cavalry, the Cavalry Orlando game is coming up mm. uh, next week, and so they have that as well to kind of go. But I'm hoping they do sort of evolve the product a little bit ahead of the 2024 season. You know, maybe maybe not on the face of it, like how Ben's tweet said, where like it's it might not change that much for consumers, but at least you know give some assurances that behind the scenes things are being built so they can be better, and then hopefully the people who do report on that stuff who kind of get that inside info, uh, whoever that might be, uh, can sort of give assurances that it's like okay things. Things are just, you know, we're not pretending like nothing's happened. Things are being done behind the scenes to make sure that yeah. the product and and the, all of the foundation of what we've created so far is improving. Um, because, yeah, I I don't I can't see this if it's a short term deal or a long term deal. This whatever deal may be surviving more than twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five at the way it is. 
uh, it needs to continue to grow both in, for CSB's things with more teams and Media Pro with more broadcasting partners uh, and like sub broadcasting deals um, because 2026 is, is is looming, the World Cup and everything. Once that's over and all of the eyes have turned to whichever uh, competition is next afterwards, uh, then now it's now it has to we have to sort of sustain what we've built ahead of 2026 and be able to keep that going even if a lot of the world's eyes aren't on canada anymore mm -hmm. uh so i think that's going to be the biggest thing for csb and media pro moving forward is ensuring that they are at least putting yeah building blocks in the system for them to if they go to the separate ways both leave kind of be like sort of proud of what they've mailed and knowing that it is so, so at least somewhat secure uh for yeah. for the near future but yeah i mean that's we still don't know all that much again a lot of what we've been talking about the last few weeks is speculation because we've been yeah. just getting little tidbits here and there and and especially on social media there's so much <laughs> like it blows up so much you you make a mountain out of a molehill there if you want to um but uh yeah whatever happens hopefully it means that uh we can have a, as good as a product and hopefully even better as a product as what we've been used to with uh with the cpl yeah yeah definitely and like they've they've tried to expand what they do like throughout the year they are like they have their own um the sort of programs looking at uh looking at the league or so i think they've got the footy prime podcast was broadcasted over that as well they probably need another external sort of cpl focused podcast video cast like they need to think about these things and mm. uh, there's people out there there's people out there that could be a reason i am i think you know what I, there was a, there's a name but i can't put my finger on it Someone covers uh, it all. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But well, I'm sure it'll come to us later. I'm sure it'll come to us later. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, more coverage. Yeah, that's where uh, it's gonna. That's what's gonna be important. And fans coverage, even is like we yeah. need all the help we can get at this point. So yeah, uh, hopefully, when soccer uh, opens its arms to being able to accept more fan <laughs> product and maybe journalists, podcasts, that do videos and have visual media and memes maybe exactly i mean they've got to they've got to snap us up quick we've uh, we're, we're bursting at the seams with uh i know we're a hot product <laughs> we're a hot product uh but moving on from the csb media pro relationship we'll go into some action that's happened in the last week uh CONCACAF champions cup leg two occurred yes. between two canadian sides we're going to start with a forge fc versus chivas game where unfortunately for forge they fell again 2-1 to Chivas, mm -hmm. though they had some bright spots throughout the game. The biggest one, of course, being at the dying moments where a yeah. 17-year-old uh, Kevon Tavernier scored a really good goal in the second phase really of the that. corner and yeah. kind of <laughs> announced himself, not only to Forge fans, Canadian fans, but, I mean, this is on the continental stage. A lot of Mexican yeah. fans afterwards were commenting it on as well that... This kid might be something special. Uh, hence why I, I put the Boy Wonder meme there, because it seems like, <laughs> you know, he, he might have a big role to play for Forge uh, in the upcoming season. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the game first before we talk too much about uh, Kevon's performance. 
going into a 3-1 down, you know, it, going at altitude to Guadalajara. Again, mm-hmm. Forge are in preseason form. Guadalajara are already six or seven games into the season. It was always going to be a tough ask for Forge yeah. to be able to get anything out of that game. I think more than anything, it was going there and and playing with pride and 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 showing sort of flexing what Canada soccer can do even or Canadian soccer can do even if it isn't winning against a mm. a massive side like Chivas. And I think that they can probably, you know, look uh, back at what they've done and be pretty proud of everything that they've they've managed to do because they have now uh, a repertoire of continental games and uh, I think this these performances build your reputation not only in your own league but across uh, the continent. Uh, and I think you know a lot of Mexican fans afterwards on social media were reaching out and saying that they were impressed by what Forge were were able to do, and they'll keep and that they want to keep an eye on, on Canadian soccer, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, there were obviously some moments where the preseason form kind of kicked in, knowing that you saw the team in preseason. Uh, the two first goals that we saw, uh, the first one, it, it was a little bit of a mistake from yeah. uh, Colongo, who, to be fair to him, he's a young lad. He stepped into the team because of a certain situation that we'll talk about in a little bit yeah. with <laughs> Tristan Henry and the starting goalkeeper, uh, and. You know, you're facing, you're literally thrust into the firing range against a huge Mexican side, and he did fairly well in the first leg, and this and this second leg, you know, corner come comes in and can't get his hands on the ball. It's a it's a wet, slippery pitch and everything. It, it bobbles out. They get the tap in, and it's one nil. And inside ten minutes, that's kind of the worst was the worst yeah. case scenario for Forge. Yeah. If there was going to be any hope for them to be able to come back. They had to weather the storm for the first 15, 20, then mm. try to get a goal back in the first half, maybe set up a nervy second half where if they get a goal back, then then it, there might be hope. Um, but in the end, that that first goal kind of already swept the wind under the sails. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, I, I think Colongo overall had a good performance, made some nice saves through the game. Um I know you have your reservations a little bit on the second goal with him as well. Yeah. Do you think he could have done better on the second goal? Possibly. I just feel like maybe because of how uh, the first goal came about as he parries something down that puts it into a dangerous position. Same thing happens again. Like maybe I'm being overcritical that maybe he should have tried to parry it away from the goal rather than back into the bar, like ready into that sort of area. But it was a good strike and he did well to get his hands on it. Um, to block the shot to the light. So, I mean, possibly I'm being overcritical. Um, but, I mean, Chivas just showed their quality. Like, that second goal especially, like, got down here, like, they, they win the ball up high and it's just, yeah, one pass inside, another ball, just a straight ball into the box. But the speed and the, and the positioning that they've picked up, they're able to just quickly bypass four Forge players. They just, they're just completely taken out of the game and, like you say, like that's early season form um, from Forge, and just the golf and quality that like these Jeevas are have got the funds, they've got the history. Forge, we're, we're like we've got to remember that the CPL is a young league, 
and these players, yeah, they've got experiences elsewhere and they've come back into the league as it's started and things like that. But it's still we're still a long way behind, like like from just from timelines, not just like finances. So it's like it's it, it was good to see that. Just feel a bit sorry for uh, Carl Becker when he got that chance and just wasn't able to um, just get his laces on. It was more of like having to go almost a side foot as he's stretching. And uh, yeah, just those little bits. It could have had a few extra, um, a few extra closer chances maybe than they got um, in the end. Like the final ball and the final shot wasn't quite there. But I think that's that's what's key, isn't it? Like they they were making those and that's that's really important like when we, you, we're seeing that these sides are going to slowly improve and improve and in next year two years three years we'll see an even closer game um if you'd like to think anyway <laughs> yeah i'm hoping yeah that would be a good that would be a good show for if the league has evolved where mm. eventually when we have games against mexican sides they'll be a lot closer than people think. And maybe it'll be closer to how the Vancouver Whitecaps think of this game's wins uh, that mm. we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Forge can, like I said, hold their heads up high. It was uh, like they showed in, in, in periods, good performances. Um, I think most of every, most of all, they just liked a little bit of bite in the attack. Most of the shots came sort of from outside of the, box yeah uh kyle becker had that one chance that you said that was good play uh on the wing to be able to get him in that position noah jensen also had a shot from inside the box but most of the other ones were kind of more hopeful shots from outside of the box i thought you know the most dangerous player forge had was uh benny Badibanga, and we only saw a few glimpses of him uh, i think chivas did well to neutralize him mm. um but Oh, I mean the 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 bet the thing that most people take away from was obviously Kevon Tavernier's goal yeah. uh, at the very end. You saw how all the players sort of you know celebrated with him, how Bobby celebrated too, because he's just this young kid who's come in and similar to TJ Tahit and, and Vancouver is only starting to make waves. Got called up to the under seventeen and the under twenty for the Canadian men's national team, uh, and so like his story sort of starting and to have this be like a way to announce yourself mm. fits really well for what you want your career to sort of span. It's like you, that you had a big game, highly televised game against a big team. You come on and immediately you make an impact and you score your team's mm. only goal. Consolation goal. Yes, but still it's something to celebrate and something to be able to build yeah. off of. And I'm very excited to see, you know, especially with, the under 21 minutes that Forge is going to have to to uh, accomplish. Uh, I'm excited to see if Kevon Tavernier has a bigger role for Forge, especially since their squad isn't as deep as others, um, mm. to be able to see yeah. him feature more. Yeah, I mean, Wibbs Basia's finally, if that's been like finally confirmed, he's at Nashville now over in MLS. So there's that slot that's been opened up and they haven't gone out and spent money on anyone. They haven't brought in a like they i mean if they've brought in some a few players that maybe could one well, um the guy's name escapes me now completely uh, quickly spend that to watch oh they just brought in uh apoku and, and doma i'm not sure um if that's if they will end up playing a similar role but i, I don't believe so 
So this is a chance that he's got that it's like they've identified that now's his chance and it's his time to sort of break out. He sort of got under the radar because of TJ Tahid, like both in the Canadian youth set up together, um, getting those call-ups, just the, the two of them from the CPL. I mean, see TJ's got, had plenty of chances last year with Vancouver, but now um, everyone's going to get those, those chances now and then we'll see. It'd be really exciting to see how he gets on and we see some of these young players coming in with the bigger teams, not just the uh, expansion sides and Valor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'd be, uh, that's actually a great point. It'd be great to see uh, some of the bigger teams putting a bit more trust in the youth, not just doing it to accomplish 2,000 minutes, but actually putting in more so that we can see what the CPL is for, which is growing young Canadian talent and having them have a platform for them to sort of grow and flourish and be able to take that next step to bigger leagues elsewhere. And then maybe down the line, 10, 15, 20 years, we can think about maybe keeping them uh, mm. and making the Canadian league itself be better. But that's in the long-term future. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, entertaining match. And uh, Forge have some really good uh, you know, preseason prep to go into mm. – uh, the 2024 CPL season. So watch out for them as the season starts. Um, but now we'll go into the second match of the, the night. Uh, oh, actually, no, let's talk about Tristan yeah, Henry. Let's talk about Tristan Henry. <laughs> because yeah. wait a minute, that is some hot drama that I do not want to gloss over. Yeah. Tristan Henry. So let's, let's set up a little bit of a timeline. Uh, a few days ago, we saw that... Um, or a few, uh, a few weeks ago now, we saw that Bobby admitted that Tristan Henry was not going to feature because of personal reasons. And then I believe it was a week ago, uh, Northern Tribune, uh, Jean-Jacques, came out uh, with a, a, a an article sort of explaining what was really going on with Tristan Henry, which was essentially that he's been having contract disputes with Forge. He wanted to leave. Uh, the club did have a club option to extend him by a year, uh, but he wanted to go to uh, the USL. Uh, there was the whole thing about he has expiring green card that he wants to be able to renew and just seek new opportunities, which I think, you know, after being five years uh, at Forge FC and, and being the starting goalkeeper since day one, he is allowed to do. Um, but apparently the club... Uh, whether that be the coach or whether that be the president basically said no and, and sort of triggered the, the, the contract. Uh, and he did not report for training. Uh, and he basically didn't feature uh, for, for any of the preseason prep and or for either of the games. Tristan Henry then came out and said, don't believe everything you read essentially. Um, but obviously there has to be some truth in it. And then, uh, you know, friend of the show, uh, Wander's Notes came out and sort of corroborated Northern Tribune's story by poking his head around some sources close to Tristan Henry as well. So I don't know if for Tristan, it's necessarily maybe him saving face of not wanting to look too bad in the public eye for his disputes with Forge or what might be going on because you know, I as someone who writes for Northern Tribune and I frequently chat with John, he's an he's a respectable journalist. I know that he doesn't like post, you know, hearsay or like you know half 
truths or like rumors necessarily that don't have any foundation. He will do his due diligence. So I believe him and what he wrote. Mm. But obviously there are two sides to every story and there's probably still a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't know. Uh, but for you, how does this affect sort of forge preseason planning? Because we've already seen huge names, you know, walk out the doors of Tim Hortons Field. Tristan Henry is another one. Mm. I mean, at this point, there's already damage being done because of this drama. But like if he does stay, but let's say he they do eventually let him leave. How do you think that'll affect forge going into 2024? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. I mean from the forge perspective Colongo hasn't done bad <laughs> against Chivas like so they'll probably look at that and think okay well he's not got the experience there's mistakes in there we saw Pacific get by last year at times um with Gazdorf who had his mistakes and they've helped him through the year and yeah it's been rocky um but they got themselves in the playoffs um maybe they'll look at that and think well yeah we we feel we're on in a better position on the field to deal with that so let's give let's give Colongo the chance like from a, if he was to leave forge's yeah forge's viewpoint probably would be that and they've got the opportunity to then see okay well if there is someone who's actually can come available then great if we can get a can get an upgrade then fantastic um for the Tristan Henry's side i mean like going through like remembering that article i mean someone else and um i don't know who it was another a former cpl player wrote personal matters stop lying and holding your own players hostage i mean it's like there's there's issues going on and this is something we both mentioned when talking about our thoughts on forge going into the season and how this doesn't feel like the same yeah, we've got to make a few changes, but we're Forge, everything will fit the machine and it'll all carry on going till next year. This year's felt different. And now this coming out is another sort of big, sort of like, it's, a, it's just another big sort of whack to the foundations of this building. That's like, it's just gonna, it makes it feel a lot less secure. Um, that's got it for, for Tristan Henry, obviously, he, can, he, he there's the rumors of Memphis being interested. They rejected the deal. Um, that ship's probably sailed. Like, so he's now in a personally in his career, he's now in a really difficult position now that he's probably got to either find a new club to be interested to pay money for him to forge. Um, that and have it accepted or stay at forge or, I mean, from reading through other parts, retire. <laughs> so, and just like just tear up your contract, retire. Then, I mean, we've seen it. Other, we've seen it in Europe, and the name escapes me now. Who retired and then just signed a new contract with, it, with another club back in, in another country? Oh, um, uh, Domenico Cristito from from Toronto FC. Yeah, so, yeah. Left back who <laughs> so, retired at TFC and then yeah. just popped back into professional football at Saliba so, Genoa in Italy. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, maybe he does that. Maybe he just thinks, screw this. Right, I'm retiring. 
hops over the border, finds another club, a few trials. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this could go either way, but I mean, you're, I mean, we've said it before, haven't we? This, this doesn't feel like the normal changes happening. We're dealing with it kind of forged. This seems a lot more sort of difficult to difficult to just sort of take quite calmly there's there's just mm. lots of questions being thrown up yeah especially because you know tristan henry has been such an integral part of mm. forge and the league and he's a leader experienced head and he's a, a great shot stopper you know he has his moments uh yeah. but he's still overall a very very good goalie yeah. and this late in the game for both him and Forge, it's hard to find sort of replacements because a lot of teams already are starting their preseasons. And so for like Tristan, a lot of teams have already sort of concluded their business. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, is he going to be able to be, uh, you know, picky about his options or is he going to just go wherever there is any interest this late in the game? And then... For Forge, I mean, you look at what you know Ottawa did by signing Ryan Yesley from Valor, and mm. now knowing what what's been happening with Tristan Henry, in hindsight, you think maybe Forge should have jumped on that. <laughs> yeah. um, to just have you know a, a quality keeper in case Henry does leave, mm. um, it does make me think about Forge's mentality uh, in terms, you know, approaching this new season, approaching the future in general. Obviously, you want to hold on to your best players, um, but it does seem a little bit weird to me that they've sort of, you know, allegedly forced this issue because they haven't had too much issue saying goodbye to some top players in the past, uh, especially when they wanted to leave. And I think, like I said earlier, Tristan Henry deserves to be able to leave on his own terms when he wants because of everything yeah. he's given to the club. Uh, so it does strike me a little bit odd for yeah. Forge to be doing Do that. Do you think this all ties in with all these, like, Rubens Pasillas decided early, I'm off, like, and that's career-related. He's 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 taking his shot going into the MLS side. Um, but when you're thinking about players like Reza Rama, Ashinoja Johnson, all these big, big key players... Yeah, on one side, they took a long time to sign their contracts or leave with Reza Rama because they're probably looking for a big, con bigger contract somewhere that Forge can't offer them. They're looking around the market. But these are all key players. Are they now, because of this, like part of you in your head is thinking, do they just want out? And they're like, they've just waited and waited. Ah, oh, shit, there's no options. Okay, I like, and Ashinoda Johnson signed. But some of the others have just gone like, it, it is all key players that are trying, like, trying to leave it's not they had no problems keeping players who are fighting for positions but the key players were and leaders well a lot of them were quite keen to keen to find somewhere else yeah no it it, it does sort of raise concerns about maybe what the state of forge's future is like where a lot of the key players are like i'm done here maybe it's because they've very like they they've all thought well uh, been here done that like if, yeah uh, exactly it could be know. that yeah, I've won so many trophies with them. I want to try a new challenge, which is very fair. Um, but I think maybe for Forge, it was kind of like, okay, Wubens Pasillas, key players leaving. Magikar James, key players leaving. Reza Rama, key players leaving. They mm -hmm. almost lost Ashinori Johnson, but they've managed to sign him on. 
Mm-hmm. Now Tristan says he went like he's leaving. I I wonder if at one point Forge were like, okay, that's enough. That's too yeah. many key players leaving. We can't just let everyone out the door that wants to leave for new opportunities. We we have to do things, you know, at a reasonable rate, or or else it's gonna make us go into freefall, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I think for Forge is understandable if that's the case. Mm. But it's just it's it's still it's it's hard, it's tough to digest this considering everything that Tristan's done for Forge. Yeah. Um, and I know one possible thing uh, that uh, was mentioned by uh, Wonders Notes was that um, maybe a loan move is the way to go mm. for uh, for for Tristan and maybe a loan move to a USL championship side. Maybe just a short one, maybe just like a six month loan. I don't know. I don't know how long yeah. you have to stay to renew your green card. I don't yeah. know anything about American. Yeah, yeah. You know, that stuff. Um, but maybe it's just a loan for him to be able to secure that. And then he can come back to Forge and rekindle something. Or maybe it's just so that Forge can sort of, you know, not necessarily lose him for free. Mm-hmm. They he can keep like if it's an extra year, he can go to the USL championship side for six months, come back, then they sell him on mm-hmm. while he's still under contract. Maybe that's a short-term solution oh. that they can do in the in the meantime. But yeah, either way, it's it's a tough situation. Let's keep uh, an eye on. <laughs> yeah, lots to keep an eye on. And for Forge fans, I mean they've been going through it this this uh offseason because you know, before they always said, Yeah, Forge will just keep forging on. Uh, mm-hmm. but like you mentioned, this one actually feels different. I know we say that every year, but this one actually <laughs> feels different in terms of what's going on, just because yeah. it's like these are some big players going out and the players coming in, like like you said, Apoku and um and Elimana Cisse coming in, you know, Cisse we know of because he's been here before, he was a solid midfield. Um uh, Apoku uh um, Ampadu, who was his name? I think it was, or I forget exactly how to pronounce his yeah, name. Ampoma. Uh, Ampoma. Okay, that was one. The yeah. uh, Opoku Ampoma. Um, he seems like an exciting player, but we don't really know all that much about him. But it's enough for them to stay at that consistent top level that they mm-hmm. have been showing in the last five years. Who knows? We might go, you know, look back on this in in a year and be like, we were fools to ever question them. Just like every other year, we 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 might question them. Uh, but I, yeah, very interested to see how things unfold for Forge and with Tristan Henry ahead of the new season. But now we'll actually move on to the other uh, Concacaf Champions Cup match, which was between uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps and Tigres. And for those uh, who saw the visuals last week, I did a Goku versus Vegeta uh, meme between them. And this one, Goku has beat Vegeta uh, because Tigres have beat the Vancouver Whitecaps in what on paper looked like a resounding 3-0 win. But for those who watched the actual match know that it wasn't the case. I think it was mostly just Vancouver Whitecaps doing very, very well in the first 55 minutes of the of the match and then tired legs preseason form kind of kicked in in the last 35 and that's where Tigres sunk their teeth and just were very yeah. clinical um this is a game that's uh for me I saw a lot of positives from 
you know, there's a lot of flashes about what Vancouver Whitecaps can do. We saw uh, the result Starlight Stadium as well in the in the one all draw that they can go toe to toe with the Mexican side. I do think maybe I'm a little biased, but I do think that were the Whitecaps in similar form, you know, five or six matches into their season and all their players at that match sharpness, I think with the Whitecaps probably could have won the tie, uh, especially with all of the chances they created and everything. Um, so, I mean, it's great to show where the Whitecaps are and where a Canadian club is sort of, you know, at in terms of competing with some of the big boys from, from other countries. Um, but yeah, overall looking at, uh, at the goals, a, a little bit of luck, uh, on the first goal going out the crossbar and dropping, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it was to Goriran, uh, or Goriran. Um, but the second and third one were just, yeah, the white caps were just yeah. caught with tired legs, caught off guard. Vanny tried to do some tactical switches. He put Gold at left wing back, and that's where they got the headed second goal, uh, which you can't expect a very attacking-minded player to do yeah. that well defensively in the air. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point, you kind of had to throw the kitchen sink to try to get the goal back. Uh, I think it was a great experience overall for them. Again, a really good preseason prep ahead of the MLS season, especially since Whitecaps under Vanny have been slow starters historically. I think mm-hmm. having these two matches against Tigres, which is not just a friendly, but proper competitive matches, yeah. puts them in a really good position ahead of the new season. Uh, but for you, was it surprising in the end, the the results? Or did you feel like it was fair on the performance between Tigres and the Whitecaps? Yeah, I mean, I feel Tigres are the better team, um, personally. Like, I don't think that's a huge, it's not a huge shout, is it? But they, um, they, they, they just showed the quality. They, and once they got the game back home, they were more on the, the comfortable side. My biggest uh, takeaway from the Whitecaps was that Laborda was desperate for a goal. <laughs> he really, oh, had, yeah. <laughs> he really like. I think he's um, looked quite quite um, confident going into the season. Obviously, he's going to get that chance in the back three rather than being shoved out to right back. Um, and he was, yeah, I mean, he's full of confidence. <laughs> but yeah, maybe he should have calmed it down a little bit and maybe laid it off with his back to goal. But hey, who are we to, who are we to say? Um, but yeah, it's they, he's tried to move things around. I think one of the one of the bits, just because I'm super picky, it seems. I've realized I keep being really, really harsh <laughs> on every uh, everything Fortune done so far. It's okay. You, you'll be the bad cop. I'll be the good cop. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> but I think that all those changes and the, the moving players around and things like that is a big sign of Fanny Sartini just working out what he's doing with some of these players. And he's when he bring on like Fafa Pico. Okay, I brought him on. I want to do something, but now I'm having to move, and it's all it seemed all a bit on the fly. Um, so like uh, some of those bits, so but um, I mean, that's just being super critical. Like, this is their first two competitive games in, they've had their little training camp in Marbella, but that's it. So, they, they, these players need time to need time to like form partnerships on the pitch and things like that. So, it's a good, yeah, like you, like you say, great start of preparing for MLS. It's just a shame for the white caps who probably would have hoped for a slightly kinder tie so they could have had a few mm. extra games in this tournament. <laughs> mm. 
No, genuinely, because I mean, if they would have be, been able to beat the Unis, the next opponents, whoever comes out of Orlando City and Cavalry, mm. which you would feel like they would either be favorites or they would be sort of tied uh, yeah. in, in terms of who might progress. And then, you know, then they could go farther into the competition. But yeah, it was always tough against Stigidis. And yeah. I think they can be proud of what they've been able to accomplish. Uh, another huge thing for me was seeing some really positive glimpses from the new signings that the Whitecaps had in Demir Krylak and Fafa Pico. Demir Krylak in the first leg looked really good, scored that goal, uh, looked pretty sharp considering he just joined the team a few weeks back. Mm. And then in this game, Fafa Pico came on and showed a lot of promise. He was a bit, uh, a lot more direct. He was uh, a lot more threatening uh, than what the Whitecaps had at the moment, which is good and seemed like the most dangerous player on the pitch. It was sort of at the cost of Ryan Gold and eventually that did backfire a little bit. But I yeah. think it, if any manages to find how to fit these players properly in the right formations, he he's admitted before that he's willing to uh, you know, adapt and change to have some variation of three attackers, whether that be a striker and two inside forwards, two strikers and a 10, you know, God forbid a striker and some wingers. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe then you know, once he figures that out, then he'll have a, a much more, you know, well-rounded attacking unit uh, for the start of the season. Uh, but yeah, a shame overall, especially as someone that that uh, is a fan and covers the Whitecaps and not be able to cover more continental games. Mm. Um, but at least they were two very entertaining games, and uh, hopefully. Uh, it does well for the Whitecaps in the long run. Um, but that is it for our CONCACAF Champions Cup review. Now we're going to finish off with a couple of transfer news tap-ins. Uh, there hasn't been as much transfer news as there has been maybe in the last few weeks, but we still have a couple of uh, notable finds. Uh, um, and your standard fella signing. <laughs> like <Yeah>. like <laughs> Exactly. One. Another Valor <laughs> signing here. Um, they signed Abdul Binate. Uh, Valor. Uh, yeah, I believe he. Yeah, he said made three appearances. Mike, you said he maybe had 15 minutes of pro. Yeah, uh, football under. I know the CPL by numbers um, guy. Uh, for our message, <laughs> I'm saying I'd love to do something, but there really is not enough minutes and stats to be able to make any sort of. Uh, any sort of visual from this um so it'd be interesting to hear um from people who have seen him um personally i haven't really obviously um so it'd be interesting to see where his particular skill sets may fit amongst these other forward players that they've brought in um phil de santos hasn't been shy bringing in young players and giving them a chance um so he could well he could well see um, Benates being another one of these players that he's quite happy to throw in the deep end and feels he's ready for it. He could be another player who's on the bench and the backup for long periods of this time and doesn't get a huge amount in this first season. It's, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Um, but they're really going to have a lot of... I mean, they must be going on a, quite a few sort of... Um, team bonding retreats just so they get to know each other's names and get to, like, get to know each other because this is a whole new team. <laughs> Essentially a whole new team. Uh, it reminds me of Nottingham Forest in, yeah. uh, in England right now where it's like, is there even enough space for all these guys in the in the locker room? 
Um, it was when uh, Mo uh, Maurizio Pochettino took over at Chelsea and he didn't even recognise one of his players after the game who came over yeah. to Toronto and didn't know he was playing for them. We like the field of Santos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, hopefully we get to see a little bit more of Abdul uh in the in the coming season i assume that he's probably going to be the deputy to sean hundo up top um maybe mm. comes on if they're in need of a goal uh just to get some more minutes and his development uh but yeah we'll hopefully we see a little bit more of him to be able to actually form an opinion on him yeah uh but a biggest thing is surprise surprise valor have made another signing <laughs> Uh, but moving on, we also have a more well-known face to the CPL fans joining new club, and that is Jonathan Grant mm -hmm. joining Atletico Ottawa, which is huge because last time we talked about Ottawa in our grading episode, you said uh, that their backline was paper thin. Now they've added uh, not only a very experienced defender, but a versatile defender. A little bit how Paris G was. He can play in the middle and he can play on the wings as well. He's played a right back. Uh, and so he's a player that uh, like Ottawa could sort of put anywhere in that defensive line and know that they have uh, somebody who's capable of playing there. Uh, I think after a stint at York United, he uh, is due to have maybe a club that can favor him a little bit more um since he was sort of in and out with york united yeah, um had a few injuries but, last year didn't he as well yeah uh, hopefully he has a less yeah. less of a tough time with with his fitness and with his injuries and we can see a more full season with him but uh yeah does that quell your worries a little bit and and boost up your your grading for ottawa now definitely i mean we said like they're 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 um I mean, I couldn't even remember what grade I gave them while we were doing the show. <laughs> trying to remember a week back. I think we gave them A's and said potential. Like, it's still an A, but once they get a, a right wing back, done. And they just need probably need another centre-back once that's in. I mean, that's a full, complete team. This is something that we look at Cavalry, they've got that. Their positions are fixed and they look strong. Ottawa just, they look strong, but they just have a couple of little holes. And this is a really good signing. I mean, it's not, it's going to, it's not the exact uh, like for like from right wing back to left wing back when you've got Devrien, who's just a like an athletic machine running up and down a little bit crazy. Jonathan Grant can, can get up the pitch really well. He can contribute, but he's a much more sort of calm, experienced player who's good, who can defend really well. And he's going to get forward and deliver crosses into the box. I mean, Sam Salter's going to love this signing, I think. Um, and I think he's going to just fit in. I mean, they've lost John Anthony LSE, obviously, and Carl Howarth, who are often playing on that sort of right side. I think he's a great, great, um, great addition. And if you can stay healthy, it's really, they're, they're going to, I think Gonzalez is going to um, really enjoy him being in the team. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since. They are making a lot of, you know, changes. Having some more experienced heads in the yeah. locker room is always going to be a, a bonus. And yeah, just a couple more additions. And genuinely, Ottawa is starting to look like a heavy favorite for the regular season championship. Uh, can they replicate what they did two years ago? We'll see. But they have some high-profile players that might be convincing a lot of people that they can, you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the likes of Calvary and Forge, especially... You know, Forge losing a lot of big players, Pacific losing a lot of big players. 
they're looking like strong favorites, at least for me right now. Yeah, I mean, you talked to, I mean, I, I'm sure if you spoke to any other manager in the league or the seven other managers, they probably wouldn't like to say it, but I think most will be really worried about, I think they'd all be really worried about what Ottawa are putting together going into this season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and now we're going to move on to some Vancouver FC news. They have made a signing and have had a departure. Uh, Ibrahim Bakari has left Vancouver FC, and in his stead, they have signed Jose Navarro, a Mexican attacker from Unam Pumas's Pumas's uh, academy. Uh, not is there's not much known really uh, about him. He mostly played or virtually only played for the academy sides, uh, the under 20 and under 23. He had one professional appearance back in July of 2022, but he's mostly just been in the academy sides. Uh, there wasn't even that much given in terms of context for his, uh, in the media release, he had, I think a few goals that he scored I think he won like a championship with the under 23, but it's a player that still has a lot to show for. Uh, it's a player that certainly going to have to definitely prove himself, especially as a, a young attacker from Mexico. Um, aside from Alejandro Diaz, Vancouver FC haven't had grades of history with signing uh, Mexican attackers. <laughs> yeah. uh, with uh, Gael oh, Sandoval. Yes, it's been a bit. <laughs> so he's not yeah, had you can even say that. Uh, but yeah, with Ga- yeah, Gael Sandoval in the past and the like one month loan of Christian Mares as well mm-hmm. that we never saw in the Vancouver FC kit. Um, but hopefully we get to see a little bit more from uh, uh, Jose Navarro so we can, again, similar to Abdul Binate, form an opinion on him. But yeah. again, it's a signing that shows that they're investing in youth. Their first international signing of the year as well, since everybody else was Canadian. Uh, so, BC, <laughs> yeah, pretty much everyone else was from BC. So this is the the first non-BC slash non-Canadian <laughs> signing uh, for them. Uh, and I believe it looks like they're not done in terms of their their transfers. That's what it, it was sort of alluded to at the end of their their statement that they were going to uh, announce more roster changes at the end of the month. So probably okay. not it for Vancouver FC. Um, but a fan favorite of the Vancouver fans has left yeah. in Ibrahim Bakare pro- arguably had one of the most passionate post-match <laughs> interviews that I'd ever seen. Uh, I, I can't remember. It was a home game. I can't remember what game exactly it was, whether it was like the one, one draw against cavalry or something. Yeah. Like that. I think it was when they were down to 10 men for a while. When Rocky yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. And very, very passionate lad. And, and even under yeah. pretty much press conferences, you know, especially against against Pacific, he was always stoking the fires of the derbies. Somebody who that who, that uh, you love to have in your team as a fan, and from what I've heard from fans as well, he's always great with the fans and always love to interact with them. So, bit of a sad day for uh, Vancouver mm-hmm. fans if you're a big fan of Bakare, but the writing was sort of on the wall. He didn't feature all that much towards the end of the second half, where they actually started to turn up and signing Paris G and David Norman Jr. And the fact that, you know, Paris G is versatile. He sort of kept falling down and down and down the pecking order where it's like, do you ever really see him featuring for the squad, barring some big injuries? Not really. And as such a young player, I think he's only 21, 22 still, he needs to be playing a regular minute. So understandable for him to leave. Um, Mm. 
but uh yeah a great guy overall uh hopefully he gets to find uh, a team that can uh, you know benefit from his passion and his fiery speeches uh, yeah definitely there was no one finds new pastures yeah no one matched that in the vancouver like the, the dedication he put in was uh yeah you could never question but yeah the quality is as the new signings have come in has really shown um like his quality on the ball and things like that is is a lot further below my uh my thoughts on jose navarro though like just a, like you obviously mentioned um gael sandoval like, from the from what i'm reading about this player it's almost like he's of that ilk that style that that positional play but whereas gael sandoval was a player who's bounced around the league like bounced around the world in different leagues and not shown the commitment it does sound like navarro's choosing this as the place to actually like launch a professional career because it's not he's not getting that opportunity a sort of senior level professional career week in week like and fighting for a place week in week out he's he's not had it at um pumas obviously he's not broken through and he's choosing to make this big chart like to make this big move like so i think i do uh, sort of say to vancouver fans who maybe aren't uh, a bit of sort of not 100 sure it's all come out of left field i'd imagine this young player is uh mentally very different <laughs> to what you have from what you experienced with Kyle Sandoval. yeah and i think it also comes in with different expectations at sandoval sandoval i remember when i was reporting on him being added comes in as like one of the most highly anticipated players the league has seen because you know i think it was like six or seven years ago he was one of the hottest prospects in mexico had a really good breakout season and comes in you know being compared to kyle becker on the (laughs) level of ability that he had and didn't really see that uh at all uh so i think for jose navarro he comes in with very different expectations because they made a lot of big name signings he's not necessarily going under the radar but i think the pressure on him is like okay let's just see what you got and that's it and then he can just sort of be able to try stuff learn uh you know some things under uh Afshingapi and be able to learn from Alejandro Diaz as well um, or somebody that is more experienced in the professional world has done really well in this league and is obviously Mexican as well so mm-hmm. I think it's a great move for him and his development and hopefully uh over the next few weeks uh we get to see a little bit more glimpses of him and maybe learn a little bit more about him uh and then as the season comes by hopefully get to see uh, what he does on the pitch and I'll allow his footballing ability to do all the talking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall it, pretty on par for Vancouver FC uh, signing a young player. Um, now let's move on to some the more, I think the biggest moves really out of the last uh, week was coming out of Halifax. Halifax made three signings uh, in this past week. They signed Camilo Vasconcelos, uh, who is a player that they had before, who signed now a, a proper pro deal. H- Halifax fans will obviously recognize him. He's played before for them. They've also also signed Christian Valeski, an experienced striker from USL Championship, 31 years old. He's been to a bunch of clubs bouncing around in the USL Championship, has a relatively decent goal-scoring record to go along with it. And then they've also signed an exciting young player in Vitor Diaz, 
who was in MLS Next Pro. He was part of the 2022 St. Louis City MLS Next Pro side that went all the way to the final. Mm -hmm. uh, so And did pretty well for them there before moving to SKC2. Um, so three exciting signings for yeah. Halifax. Uh, for you, what was the name that I guess stood out the most between these three players for Halifax? Um, I guess Valevsky, uh, Valevsky, <clears throat> purely because they didn't, they've, they've only got Coimbra up front. And I think we, we mentioned it last week, how we gave their sort of recruitment, um, a little bit of a hit just because they've got a starting 11. <laughs> so the, this was kind of expected that, that like we'd see sort of a flurry of signings come in. Um, and I just, yeah, interested to see, uh, if, this environment um makes um Valeski a little bit more prolific um playing it seems like a he, he seems like a sort of an all-action forward um from the little bits i've seen uh who will who will work in that sort of who produce guys as sees as someone who fits into the system that he plays so it'd be interesting to see how he does with yeah an experienced player up there who's um coming into the league new but yeah well, uh, that that's that's curious to me because i i think coimbra is someone that he's got a lot of faith in as well so he needed an experienced player alongside that and yeah interested to see how he gets on yeah and then from what i read of his interviews and stuff he's somebody who is very ambitious he's somebody who said he uh, I've come here to win something that before apparently that was an issue for him <laughs> in that he felt like clubs never really matched his ambition until he met up with Patrice Geyser and seemed like they were very receptive to that. Um, that, I mean, a winning mentality or at least that hunger to be the best is always good for, for a squad to, mm. to have, especially a squad like Halifax who, are sort of growing into this now heavyweight we saw last year in year one of geyserism that you know they they can be pretty much anybody um mm. they just need to be more consistent especially away from home now you have year two you bring in more, a bit more experienced heads maybe christian Valeski having that kind of mindset in the locker room will help them you know kind of adapt to playing away from home and still be able to bring the same intensity, the same winning mentality as they do when they are home in front of all of their fans. So uh, yeah, obviously with Diego Coimbra will be a player that he can learn from uh, a seasoned striker and it'll be good for them to both be competing from, for spots. Uh, and I'm interested to see, uh, you know, how he fits into Geyser's system if he will be in the similar way as a link up player, or if he will be more of a uh, a goal scoring threat that uh, players will want to be feeding balls into and behind. Mm -hmm. I don't, again, haven't seen much of, of him in terms of his highlights and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the, the contrast between the two players of Thiago Coimbra and Christian Valeski uh, will probably be useful for. Uh, geyser because it'll give them different options and, and yeah. different approaches for how to uh, face certain oppositions and certain situations. Um, but for me, the one that excited me the most was actually uh, Vitor Diaz, mm. the, the Brazilian, because I actually did watch his little highlight video that uh, I believe was on the, 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 I don't know, if, I don't think it was a media release, but it was on the website for yeah. Halifax on the signing. 
And I saw also like a little bit more of his stuff in St. Louis City too in 2022, and he was an impressive player for them. Uh, uh, I think he got uh, it was in six goals and three assists in 23 matches across all competitions in 2022. Um, and that St. Louis, St. Louis City two side was mm. a very exciting oh. MLS. Yeah, so a mouthful. I had to kind of remember what every other word was. Um, um, it's not as easy. It's not as easy as SKC. SKC is so yeah. much easier to say. Um, they should work on that. Uh, but yeah, for St. Louis too, it was a, a really like impressive campaign for them in general. And knowing that he was a part of that, he was a key role in that, yeah. uh, should excite a lot of Halifax fans. Uh, obviously the Brazilian tag and him being an attacker, attacking midfielder is always going to be exciting because people are always going to expect that little Samba flavor to the football yeah. uh, to go alongside with, you know, Thiago Coimbra. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, Halifax sort of take that next step under Geyser. And if Vitor Diaz can be another exciting player, maybe to come off the bench to pair alongside like an Aiden Daniels, uh, to be able to be either his counterpart or maybe a competitor for him. Obviously, mm -hmm. we know that Geyser likes to have a starting team and a team that's vying for the start. So yeah. the competition between them two will be interesting to see how that unfolds throughout the season. And even though we are not going to be at the training sessions, the the teams that he chooses in the matches will sort of speak for themselves yeah. a little bit. So it'll be very good to see him. And then, you know, uh, let's... let's you know, say a word about Camilo Vasconcelos, a young player from that we've seen before with Halifax. Uh, he's someone that Halifax fans have been excited for before, and they're upon his signing, they were very happy to have him along. And you know, again, with Halifax's squad being so thin, bringing some youth into it, and uh, now you know, again, with him being actual a pro signed for a pro deal it yeah. is great for him. And hopefully we get to see a little bit more uh, from him. The, he comes from Cambridge, Ontario. So Halifax is not his home, but I'm sure it's felt a little bit like home in the last little while for him. So I think he will be happy to see a pro deal with them and familiar, familiarize himself more with the city mm -hmm. and with the team. Um, but yeah, a young player for Patrice Geyser. You think we might be able to see a little bit more from him in this season now that he's a, a mainstay in the team? I think so, because I mean, last year when we were talking about York for so long, like all of a sudden it really like, it was, it crept up that Halifax hadn't been using their minutes either. And it was a rush and it was like, oh God, does Patrice Geyser even remember he needs to do this? Um, yeah, and so it's it's a point where they the, the he's going to get opportunities because of his age, um, but the fact that he's been within the sort of like the development squad and getting like a flavour of how the team plays and then has been given that opportunity shows that they 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 see that he must be learning like what they are expecting of a player in in the positions he's going for um, and like you you. you you take from that. I mean, we'd have to ask uh, Josh Healy and people like that for a, a bit more clarification. But that sort of says to me, like just from just from the basics that you see that yeah, they see a player that's learning the role, learning the ropes, and is ready to um, start making some steps forwards and try and earn himself further further contracts and further starts and go and make a career for himself. So yeah, interest really interesting to see. Yeah. 
And obviously, you know, he was the, the under-21 player of the year in 2022. So now for 2023, having that um, security in his contract will allow him to to continue to develop and to continue to play. Um, uh, one thing, one other signing I actually completely forgot, and I don't have a graphic for it there, was uh, that the Hal- Halifax also signed uh, Kareem Sow, which was a player that they had in 2021 and 2022 so i wanted to just put that in there that, that they have made even more signings so it's, the squad depth has continued. and from what i remember from kareem so he was uh, a good player for them uh he was a defender which is something that they need right now considering that they only have a, a back line of four which is the starting back line um but uh yeah he joined them uh from the 2021 cpl u sports draft he made 11 appearances and he left to finish his mechanical engineering degree. And now he's done his degree and apparently wow. he kept his good graces with, <laughs> with Halifax because they signed him back to a two-year contract. So congratulations to him. And hopefully the same thing. We'll learn a little bit more about him as the weeks go on. But that is all the transfer news. The last thing that I wanted to talk about with you is not transfer related, but it is jersey related. Cavalry FC have dropped their new jerseys. And Mm -hmm. I love looking at jerseys, new jerseys, the jersey drop. I did a whole uh, CPL jersey grading article for AFTM last week where I went and gave everybody a grade and explained why. And I love jerseys. (laughs) <laughs> and looking at these jerseys, I'm a really yeah. big fan. I don't know. I was curious about your opinion to see what you thought about the home and the away kit. But I I think these are very clean, very nice jerseys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like them too. I'm um yeah, I uh, I'm not as big a jersey guy as you. Um but uh, but they do look um they do look really cool. I really like them in the sort of like the northern lights got thing going on there. Yeah, they I mean it looks really nice. Um they will look they will look really good when they're beating Orlando next week. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> what I'm hoping for. Actually, that's a great point. I, I hope that we actually do see them uh the four or now uh this coming week against Orlando and see how they look, you know, in the flesh on, on the players playing. Um but yeah, really like the innovative sort of red kits that is a little bit techy it looks uh, a little bit futuristic yeah but for me the big winner is the is the awake at the northern lights yeah i think that's a a a great thing to be able to put on a a jersey the the aurora borealis and uh you know even the setting of the photo that we have there out in the winter cold into the forest kind of hammers home that you know sort of showing that Calgary has its innovative, like it's it's techy side, but still the, the call to nature. I think the design overall, very, very good. Um, yes. I'm a big fan and I'm very excited for uh, when all of the other jerseys drop. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about that when <laughs> that happens because uh, it's my favorite time of the year, honestly, is, <laughs> is, is when the jerseys drop. It's oh, I'm, I'm like a kid on Christmas when they come out, honestly. <laughs> Uh, but aside from that that is it Uh, thank you so much once again for listening to this episode follow us on all of our socials as I mentioned at the beginning so you can give us uh, your thoughts on this week's episode and all of the episodes that we've done so far and if you have any interesting tidbits to add uh, and if we we like them we'll add them into the next show Uh, but until next time I'm Felipe Ojejo and I'm Mike Rice and this has been Coast to Coast FC signing out.